Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Uh, this morning, I am joined by Ian Calvert. Ian, welcome to the pod. Pleasure to be here. Excellent, mate. So, uh, Ian grew up in the UK and started his e-commerce journey in 2003. He moved to Brisbane in 2011 to join and eventually end up running one of Australia's largest independent e-commerce agencies, which Ian, I think we met at a Google Partner Day many years ago. We did indeed. It was great, wasn't it? They brought all these competing agencies yeah. together. We're independent. We're all sat there going, all right, so this is our competition. But they did it really well because, I mean, the amount of people that I stay in touch with yeah. from that has been amazing. Everybody was just... I remember they said, don't share specifics, just talk general. Yeah. So much value out of that. And it's then, like, oh, so how do you do this? How do you, yeah. By the end of the first morning, we're all sharing all of our inside trade tips. Yeah, and... well, it's a small industry, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, everybody tends to get to know one another. People move from businesses to businesses, et cetera. That's, that's, uh, that's yeah. it. I think um probably opened my eyes up to the stand to gain a lot more by being open and sharing than you do from... Oh one of the fundamental lessons that i learned there yeah, yeah. absolutely that's i'm always open to chat to anybody about anything. i'll tell anybody anything that i know hence hence why we've got you on the pod <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the information. it just falls out of my mouth that's it. but yeah in, in 2018 you took the leap to basically venture out on your own to become an independent e-commerce consultant um, over the years, you've worked with the likes of Billabong, Vogue, Quicksilver, and hundreds of others, which are um, mostly under NDA. You're currently an e-commerce advisory board member at Submarine by Disco Labs. You're also an advisory board member for UPay. Um, so Ian, when I thought of e-commerce, I thought of you, and I thought the listeners to the pod, if they're working in an e-commerce environment, they're probably kind of looking at one one business and one set of data and analytics and, and kind of one problem to solve. I think it's it's so valuable to hear from people that are looking at lots and lots of problems and lots of challenges and lots of businesses. And so I think so good to get you onto the pod. We're kind of getting close to 2023 now and just be yeah, big picture trends, techniques, technologies, what you're seeing working in e-com, what the state of play is in Australia. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for spending some time with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Good stuff. So I think um, probably... After that introduction, listeners have a good idea of um, your journey. But just, yeah, like, I guess good to just, what are you working on at the moment? Types of clients, types of work. So what I do is it's just me. And so I work hands-on literally with a handful of businesses. So I'm doing all the ads for them across multiple channels, helping them manage the business. Essentially, my whole thing is getting them to be cash flow positive. So it's managing the big costs, which in the e-commerce business are basically stock and advertising yeah they're, they're the main things super involved with everything like literally like, i mean just before this i was just setting up some ads yeah like within facebook and sort of like particular ways it's been a really interesting couple of years because obviously covid everybody's absolutely sort of like crapping themselves i remember remember sitting down with one client and we were doing essentially recession planning of what costs we cut and all these bits and pieces and then two weeks later so literally just sort of take off yeah. so like everybody turned their ad spend down so all the cpms came down all those bits and pieces and then because i'm really close with the account sort of saw that all the conversion rates were starting to go up and the cpms were coming down like i think i think we should give it the beans let's let, let's go and just march 23rd i think was the date 2020 it just took off great obviously a lot of other people sort of like experienced that and a couple of interesting things that, that I did with clients was that 
a lot of the time the challenge isn't getting the sales it's actually keeping up with the sales and keeping things growing consistently because yeah. it's not a SaaS business where you can just sell you know usernames and passwords you've got to keep up with that sort of stock so what i did with a lot of the businesses is we just we gradually increased it and we made sure we stayed in stock which is now paying massive dividends because what has then happened in australia around uh, I'd probably say like March or April, people started having a really, really tough time mm -hmm. because the online sales started to come back. Everybody had real difficulty getting stopped because the supply chain issues with like freight forwarding, all the container costs, et cetera, they couldn't get stuff. So they just went, stuff it, let's order loads because things are going like this. Yeah. Everybody yeah. ordered loads of stock. Less people started buying online because they wanted to get out. They wanted to book their European holiday where they could go lose their luggage, all those bits and pieces. And, uh, and people were buying less online. So then what everybody did was they then started discounting, which made it even harder. And, and people have gone through a really, really tough time. It's, it, it's kind of difficult to see. And I see a lot of people jumping around agencies going, oh, you know, you're not getting us the results, et cetera. It's like, well, e-commerce like any business isn't just the marketing it's hmm. it's a combination of all these different sort of like factors um i think things are it, it's really interesting seeing australian businesses say compared to like uk ones like there's a lot of uk businesses that are really struggling it's tough like i mean really really tough doesn't matter what you do type thing yeah it's Australia, I think there's a lot of chat that, hey, there's a problem, but I'm still seeing very consistent sales. September was a bit slow. Um, like I, I own an e-commerce business myself, and that actually, it was, it, like, first couple of weeks, it was a bit like, <laughs> so like on holiday, trying not to do anything, but keeping an eye on it. Um, and it's good. I think it's going to be really interesting, like October, November, December. Mm. I, I, I couldn't sort of like pick it. Every year, Black Friday seems to be bigger than sort of like the previous one. So, so we'll see how we go. Um, add on top of all of that, all the iOS 14 fun stuff. Yeah. So I think we all know those businesses that were just reliant on Facebook ads. Yeah. And which that's so dangerous. So, yeah. so dangerous. I'm not saying this in hindsight. I'm just saying this as you would know, being in the industry for ages, that about, it's about, I reckon it's about every five years, there's this major upheaval. I remember when Google removed keyword data from SEO, yeah. and everybody's like, oh my God. <laughs> so like, uh, it, it's, these things will continue to happen. I strongly believe that it's having a good diversification of all the different channels because there's going to be a problem at one point if you're solely reliant on one, then you can kind of take those down. And, and even if it's um, less macro and it's more just something happens to you within that channel, right? You need yeah, that. Well, I mean, we've all had Facebook accounts disabled for whatever reason, right? Because the wind's blowing in the wrong direction or, yeah. or, or have you, or you know, you might have an issue with Google Shopping because the 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 delivery information doesn't match up on the landing page what you're feeling because there's a technical sort of like issue and you might lose that for like a couple of weeks if you're reliant just on one channel that's dangerous i remember a friend back in the uk worked for this business that was it was 80 percent of their traffic and sales was coming from seo yeah. and they're like it's great we're not paying to like for anything and they said a little bit too close to the wind yeah i we, i don't know exactly what they did but it it they got a penalty tanked business wasn't one rail they didn't have loads of cash yeah. like six weeks they were done yeah that's it yeah definitely definitely um definitely not what you want to be doing putting all your eggs in one basket <laughs> oh my god no, absolutely not it's like that's bad times 100%. It, like, that's like that's like having an investment portfolio of like one stock yeah it's like exactly. imagine you're all just not like in one exactly <laughs> with um in terms of e-com what um what are you seeing in terms of verticals like you know uk 
really struggling economic wise yeah. um in australia feels kind of pre-validates what we've been saying as well in terms of um COVID, everyone freaked out, but actually it turned out to be the biggest boom for e-commerce generally yeah. across most verticals we've ever seen. Um, yeah. But then things have slowed down probably um, because they kind of had to. You see this unnatural spike, things are going to kind of come back to a, to a norm. But also, obviously, there's strange economic times around the world, right? So are you seeing certain verticals or categories still doing really well and others struggling or is that kind of across the board? No, it's weird. It's sort of, it's the, the pattern I've spot is more country based. Yeah. I know there are some Australian brands that are quite really struggling. I do tend to notice fashion brands tend to only do well if they're on sale, which is like a vicious circle sort of like mm. to get into. But if you're, I know, I think it, to be honest, everything comes down to your product. If you've got a really good product that people want, that is fundamentally what's going to work right i think the people that got the massive boom in covid because people could only order that product online have then seen it come off because people want to go and buy that sort of like elsewhere so as much as yeah i'd I'd love to kind of give you an answer on the individual sort of like industries no it's it's honestly it's more the setup of the business is is the thing it's what i found is with the way to run an e-commerce business and the marketing for it is understanding what levers to pull. So imagine you've got like a hundred levers and then 10 of those levers are going to control that business. You don't know what those levers are until you start pulling them. So an example of pulling a lever is go, okay, do Pinterest ads when we run them at X amount generate more sales within the month? Let's pull that lever. Okay, that doesn't do anything. Right, let's do some email marketing. Right, does this sort of, like, oh, right, okay, that kind of like works. And the businesses that have got control on each of these levers that go, okay, cool, we know this is happening, so let's do this. Another example would be when to go on sale. I think most e-commerce businesses go on sale when there's, when everybody else goes on. Like there's an Easter sale or there's Black Friday or what have you, whereas the good, uh, uh, the best way to run an e-commerce slash retail business is to go on sale when you haven't hit your numbers and you've got too much stock because mm. you want to turn that stock into cash. Whereas if you're constantly discounting, then that doesn't sort of like work. So that's a, a really good lever sort of like to pull. So the, the ones that I work with sort of hands on, we've kind of got those levers and we go, okay, this has happened. We need to do this. This has happened. We need to do this. But I mean, I only work with a handful, so I'm really embedded mm. with, with those. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, hard, hard hard question to 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 answer. Yeah, that's no, good, and I think um yeah, just in, I was kind of just curious as to because obviously there's a reasonably diverse basket of clients, but I take your point that um you know it's a reasonably small sample compared to industry data that we that we can kind of grab. In terms of um I guess the the bulk of the listeners to the pod are in-house Australian marketers. I presume those listening to this podcast interested in e-commerce or are overseeing a business where e-commerce is an important part of, of, of what they're doing from what you're seeing and what you have seen over the years um like what is working in e-commerce at the moment like what are those because i think it is it's sometimes hard when you are siloed in-house um and you're working on one one business that's kind yeah. of why the agency model exists right because you can use an agency to, to look at their insights and experience from a broad basket of, of clients so what what works, Ian? Give us the the, uh, the secret sauce. That, it's actually really simple. <laughs> Everybody tries to overcomplicate it. It's um, you, you know, in marketing, how we've kind of got sold this funnel and we sell that funnel sort of like onwards. 
I remember when I just started focusing on doing e-commerce, that I was like, set up all these funnels and right, okay, so these are ads running sort of like for engagement and then we've got a mid funnel here and we've got all these sort of like bits and pieces, et cetera. I was like, it just never seemed to really sort of like work. I was like, well, but this should work. This sort of like, this, this is like the playbook. And what I noticed was, particularly for e-commerce, let's say on Facebook, this is pre-iOS 14 and post-iOS 14. Essentially, you just run conversion ads. So we, we're telling Facebook, this is what we want. We want sales. We don't want people to click on the link or any of this bit nonsense. This is exactly what we want. And then using detailed audiences or interest audiences. So let's say if you're, I don't know, selling keyboards, because there's one sort of like in front of me, you know, people interested in keyboards, if there's an audience that big, that's probably a terrible example, at top of funnel or sort of like cold audiences. And the, as long as you've got a pretty chunky size. So ideally, Australia, it's sort of like 400,000 people plus of the actual audience. Overseas, it tends to be a bit sort of bigger, but you want a good kind of like mix of those. Yeah things just perform amazingly well like every single time every single time and i always go into any new account or business and if they've normally got some weird sort of like setup where there's like engagement traffic or like i've seen people doing like facebook leads for e-commerce yeah. businesses you're like how does that work <laughs> sort of. um and so I'll, I'll watch them and then i'll launch these detailed audiences campaigns top funnel and they just crash it every time every single time and like the remarketing ones really really struggle i think that is very much like a post ios 14 thing because facebook doesn't have that kind of like data mm. so it's it's you don't need to bother with all of these other different ones and i know i hear these arguments where people say oh yeah but traffic campaigns are sort of like cheaper or move up the funnel if it's sort of like not working kind of do out to car and run these experiments for like a couple of you know a couple of months like you know facebook account managers like oh yeah you try doing this right and when you zoom out and you look at the results, they're always worse, hmm. always worse. And, and I'm measuring money in, money out. I'm not going on what Meta or Facebook ads manager is reporting to me. That is attribution, also known as a guess. Yeah. It is <laughs> such so, a guess. So you're comfortable that Facebook reporting isn't accurate for what you need? And you're oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's comical. Yeah. I, I, I refer to it. So this is where I explain it. I say, imagine it's like a lying toddler. Okay, it's kind of got a goodish intention, but really it's a general direction. Okay, yeah. unless unless the results are so so good, that's when you know that something's really going well. It's an indication. Yeah. What matters in e-commerce is money in, money out. How much money did we spend on advertising? What revenue did we get in over a given period of time? Yeah. Now, depending on how much. Uh, how much volume of traffic you get depends on that period of time. I would normally suggest a minimum of a month. So you see the money coming in, the money coming out. How's that doing year on year? What are the factors that could then uh, affect that? Obviously COVID, et cetera, and stuff like that. It will become really, really, really clear. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all you got to do is you just got to look at sort of like Facebook ads manager and that little two that sort of like comes up goes, this is modeled, okay? Attribution is just a fancy word for guess. And the reason that they do that is because most marketing managers are looking for, well, we spent this, what did we get? Yeah. And we all know that just simply doesn't work that way. Maybe for a few like impulse buy products, yeah. but there's no way you just do one search that happens. They're trying to go, right, this is the this is the money you've put in, this is the money that you've got out. It's like, well, actually add together all those channels and you're not going to get like 100% of the revenue, you're going to get like 250% of the Correct. revenue. Yeah, that's it. So it's, I have this theory of, 
because this is the thing I was I was trying to work this out and I'm trying to do it sort of like for years and I remember when I was leaving the UK so it would have been like 2011 and Google Analytics was coming up with oh this we can do like multi-channel attribution got really excited because you know you could see where everything sort of like was coming from and I mean that didn't really sort of like eventuate and so then oh, it was about four years back, I started looking at all this reporting. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And to me, when something doesn't add up, that's when the problem is. Mm. So all I do is I just zoom out to what we can trust, which is money in, money out. And then you go, okay, cool. So we increased our advertising on Meta for the last sort of like month. And we've had a significant increase in sales. We haven't gone on sale. There's been no other kind of like major sort of like events. So there's a high chance that it was that. So we can probably keep sort of like turning that up. And then what you do is you try and go down into a little bit more detail until things start getting fuzzy. And essentially you just simplify it. And this is what works for the brands that I then work with. But essentially you're turning out spend up or you're turning it down. If you're getting a bad return, start turning it down, save your cash until things get, start going really, really well. Then you turn it up and, and give it. And then how you, um does that just mean you having to be pretty judicious with introducing variations like you're not going to drop in three new channels in a month because you won't know which of those no. three yeah, yeah. yeah so what so what you did i had a couple of experiences in my uh career which well i suppose you've already declared when i started but it's always longer than i like to declare and it, it purely by accident right so working for billabong we were selling 20 pound billabong t-shirts and google ads manager was reporting that it was costing 15 pound per sale and this is at the time where I just thought everything's like a, a line item, money in, yeah. money out, pull. And I was doing the SEO for the business at the time. I was doing all the marketing. And we and it was getting bigger and bigger. We were growing. So we got an agency in to uh, do, do the SEO, kind of take it off my hands. However, the cost for that agency was quite a bit. But we said, well, let's just turn off the PPC ads because this isn't working you know we're, we're selling a t-shirt a 20 pound t-shirt it's costing us 15 pounds the profit that we make on that never mind everything else mm. does not cover it let's turn it off mm. within two weeks everything tanked and it was like and we were committed i think for about three months to this agency or maybe maybe six months and it showed me the relationship between the different channels and we all see it right if you spend more on, on google ads then you'll have more direct traffic when you send out big edm campaigns you see an increase in direct traffic they all kind of work mm. together and that is the only way i have found that you can trust what works so what you do is instead of going like hey let's run a trial sort of like for a week we go okay this month we are going to go let's say hard on pinterest we're going to spend i know 10 grand on pinterest are we getting an increase in sales? Are we making more? I don't care about their attribution, their 30, 30, 30 window by default, which always makes me chuckle. I know you can change it, but mm. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? And, uh, and not, oh, but you've had this many pins or this. It's like, okay, but did we make more sales? We're an e-commerce business. We're making more sales. That's, that's what counts, right? That is fundamentally what a business owner and the person signing the checks for either your salary or to pay the agency cares about. So that's what you then have to get to. So you wouldn't introduce three new channels all at once. You go, right, let's do this one. And then you do these short tests and you know if it works or not. Again, it's pulling this lever, right? You go, right, let's pull this Pinterest lever. Does that work? That is doing nothing. Okay, cool. We can leave that alone. Mm. But we're doing email. Let, let's go and do this. And how do you... um? Because e-commerce is dollar in, dollar out, and you know we're on the business and making sales. How do you reconcile that with brand building and 
legitimate efforts online to build an e-commerce's longer term brand play? Yeah, so what I do is I normally split a budget on if they're brand building, go right, if we, this is 100% of our budget, we normally go 80% on the performance and 20% on the brand. Yeah. And that is we don't care about the return that we are getting. It is purely, are we pushing a really good brand message? And again, it has to be a great brand message that's worth pushing. If you're selling like screws and there's no thought behind the brand, then yeah. don't, don't be running like like campaigns on like Facebook. That's that no, nobody wins sort of like yeah. there. Um, and a really interesting case study with one of the brands that I work with, they had gone way too hard on the performance stuff. They have this amazing brand. It's incredible. It's uh, I can't tell you who it is because I'm going to tell you some details about it. But what we what they realized after we went in and started talking to them is like, I think you just need to get back to what you're really, really good at and you need to be your voice. You don't need this massive team to produce X amount of ads. You know, we don't need to be doing like a social post sort of like every single day. Get back to the core of what your brand is about and let's put 20% of the ad budget behind it to promote it and make sure that it's getting to the right people. Yeah. Because I fundamentally believe the difference between a good e-commerce brand and a bad one is the brand mm. that becomes your defensible moat that is why people sort of like buy and you have to be unique in your approach to it rather than just selling sort of like widgets yeah. right you look at some of the businesses that do incredibly well that you can think of that they they mean something to you and it's it's building that so that's that that's where i normally boil it down to that yeah. is that 80 20 split that's good and i guess that's a starting point right there's probably businesses that probably don't need to spend the 20 as much like to that level there's probably ones that should be spending 30 and um, a lot of the work that we're doing kind of lead generation longer buy cycle not buying online you're kind of often looking at a, a 50 50 split or even 60 to brand 40 to performance just depending on which makes sense, right? Yeah. If it's a longer buying cycle, but yeah. with most e-commerce transactions, yeah, it's going to happen within thirty days. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you kind of outlined that distinction because I think that makes sense, right? What else? Like, what are we seeing working? Like, I think you've talked there about Facebook, oh, yeah. the challenges, the, yeah, the approach that does work, the challenges of iOS fourteen, but yeah. other channels, other techniques, things that you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, ma- within so within Google Ads, I'm a massive fan of Pmax campaigns and previously Smart Shopping campaigns. Yeah. So Max have obviously taken over from Smart Shopping campaigns. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> You know, I, I used to use Google Ads when it was Google AdWords. Uh, me me too. We won't tell anyone. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so it's all text ads, right? It's like everything's like search sort of like text ads. And then, oh, yeah, there's these other ones you sort of like try them. And every time in e-commerce businesses, when I try these search ads or take over an account, I'll let them sort of like run. But they just underperform the shopping campaign. Shopping yeah. campaigns are great. And it just becomes about formatting or it just it becomes about getting the feed right. So it's most, again, I kind of go in with a scout mindset of going, okay, I'm not going to do best practice and apply what has worked for all these other businesses. I'm going to look at what's working, try pulling the sort of like different levers. Every time I pull that search campaign sort of like lever, yeah. nothing. And they're a pain in the ass to, to maintain. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a big catalog of products, so let's say anything over 200 products, 300 products, the smart shopping campaigns work really, really well. If you want to really control what your ads are being shown for, if you're very protective only, you don't want to advertise on your brand, then you just go for the regular shopping campaigns because you can exclude sort of like bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, I've also seen, this is for a client that sells in the US. 
the discovery ads. Can we maybe unpack that for, for yeah, listeners? Yeah, so there's this amazing um, feature within Google. So if you get the Google app, you've got the search bar at the top and then underneath there's a feed of articles that are related to things that you've searched for that you're interested in. So I kind of got onto it because I sort of wanted to get off the old Facebook sort of like scrolling, but wanted something kind of like interesting. And it's amazing the articles that unearths. So anything that you've searched for comes up that is related to it. You wouldn't necessarily search for it. So anticipating things that you would then want. You can run ads within here. And they just went absolute gangbusters. It was it was like Facebook ads before. <laughs> it, it, it was I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Then try, started trying doing Australia, and it didn't work. As is that well. just because there's not the penetration of that app? I think in so. Yeah, I, th I think that's what it is. Um, it's tried them in the UK. They kind of went sort of like okay, but not sort of like great. But I mean, Performance Max includes includes those as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so actually the, the setup within Google is super, super simple. Mm. It's it's basically shopping campaigns of uh, so smart for if you've got a big range and then standard if not. And when I say smart, that now has become performance yeah. max. Because yeah. and, and I think the, the really key thing I learned as well is in Pmax, you've obviously got all these audience signals that you can put in. But for e-commerce, it's mainly taking the information from the product feed. So it's having a really, really good product feed which kind of brings me to the other thing that just works really well is the really boring, dull stuff, the stuff that nobody ever wants to do. Good photography, good, unique descriptions, good reviews of good products. Mm. It is not any more complicated than that. I remember once working at uh, the agency where, where we met and a incredibly large retailer who everybody listening to this has bought something from paid us an obscene amount of money to write 10,000 descriptions mm. because we bothered to write them themselves because it's hard. What we did was we just hired a couple of a couple of writers, gave them targets to work towards, and then smashed out a load of reviews, uh, not reviews, sorry, a description. <laughs> that, that, that there. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and you're away, right? It's everybody kind of comes in going, oh my God, you know, we're not getting enough followers on TikTok and, mm. and stuff like that. You're like, just get back to the basics. But don't you reckon yeah. that applies so so broadly to yeah. so much of digital? Like it's kind of oh, yeah. all the sexy stuff that sits on the edge and, you know, gets clickbait and gets clicks and downloads and um, gets people interested. But then everything you just described is awesome for user experience. It's awesome for helping your paid campaigns work, but it's also awesome for your organic and yeah. awesome for your CRO. Like it's just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's really and, simple, though, right? And you could have, just, we could have been recording this 15 years ago, and those are the things you would have been saying. Uh, exactly. And yeah. I've been on the block so many times where it's sort of like, oh, okay, this, this, we've got to go try this, we've got to go try this. Mm. And, you, and you, you can step away from it for a while and then come back, and it's fundamentally it's all the same because we're still dealing with the same human beings, mm. right, that are actually buying something. It's... And I think I think in our industry it can be very bad for an echo chamber. I think all these things get repeated so much because it's hard to fundamentally understand these things. You've got to pull all these levers to see what works and what what, yeah. what doesn't work, basically. Um, so yeah. I, I reckon that that really um, the, the overview there of um, the Google Ad environment is very much what yeah. we see as well. I think that's kind of validating, at least for me, to know that kind of what we see at Rocket is kind of what you're seeing in terms of. 
um, shopping campaigns, PMAX, yep. search campaigns are really hard to get get work from your e-com. Um, oh, yeah. What, what, what other levers are we seeing here? What other channels, other tech? Oh, like email. Tech? Email yep. is just a total no-brainer. It's yep. the core ones that I'll always focus on are Google ads, Meta, Facebook ads, I don't know what it's called anymore. Uh, email, like just start to get them sort of started and then move on to SEO once you start getting those results. Because it still cracks me up. People are like, oh, does email actually work? Mm. I, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's like, if you're not doing it, it is the biggest no-brainer. Again, yeah. it's all that you do it. And the best advice I could give to anybody here that is not that into email at the moment is start off with flows. So sequences of emails, if you start getting really, really good results from those, then move on to doing campaigns as in like broader, broader sense. Flows being to people that have, have bought and then what happens from- anybody, anybody that's initiated some type of interest. So they might sign up for, um, I mean, all, all these people do discount codes sort of like straight away. I feel that's a good way to get rid of your profit. But let's say they've signed up uh, to a discount code. It's like having a sequence of emails that's going, hey, here's the discount code. Um, you know, what type of products you're interested yeah. in puts through different flows. So they're getting emails at specific times rather than it just getting all sort of like blasted blast. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of key metrics there that you want to be looking for. If you're not getting an open rate of at least 20%, even with all this fun with like Apple tracking and all that sort of business, then you probably want to segment a little bit better. Excellent. Be That's to, great feedback. Yeah. Be, be a bit, little bit higher up there. Um, really, yeah, sort of like 25, 30% type thing. I, with all this Apple stuff, you're probably better also tracking like the click-through rate rather than the actual open rate because it's not as ideal. Yep. Um, I know we're probably going to talk about sort of like set later on, but if you can connect Clavio, fantastic platform, really, really good, really straightforward and simple to Facebook and you can now connect it to Google as well. It will pass through your customer information in the email and then match it to their audiences because we can't rely on the pixel data anymore. Yeah. Total no-brainer. With um email, what um like I guess shares can you make around frequency? Like how do you know you could be sending more emails or conversely, what are the signs that nah, you're sending too many emails to the same prospect? I mean, the sign that you're sending too many is they're not opening them or they're not clicking through on them. Yeah. Um, as far as frequency goes, when you've got something to say, don't fall into the trap of, hey, we've got to send an email each week or sort of like once a month and then just scramble to find something. Yeah. You're better to say less, but say something more important. Yeah. Or the so, new product. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, remember all that old advice that used to go around where, oh, you have to post on uh, Facebook three times a day. I'm not... Where does that come from? That's like, like, like I'm a screw company, right? Yeah. Am I going to post about three times? And you just see these terrible posts and stuff like that. So it's really dependent on the individual business when you've got something to say. Because when you send that first email, most people open it and it needs to have value within it. Mm. So then they're likely to open the second one. You've got to give them some value. Again, it's it's, it's all the fundamentals, right? It's exactly the same across anything. It's the the best advice that I could give to people listening to this is don't get caught up in all the hype that you see. Yeah. If it doesn't make sense to you, like the attribution thing, question it and do it better. Yeah. What about new channels? Like not necessarily that new, but like kind of TikTok. What are we what are we are we playing there? Are we seeing any um, things work there? I'm tickling around the edges, but for any of the brands that I work with, they're not so kind of youth focused. Yeah. The was always very fickle. 
know, you talk, you're talking about super high bounce rates, low time on site type thing. I, I know people that do really well at it. The brands that I work with, it's not their audience yet, but I definitely, I, I, to be honest, looking for a good opportunity to, mm. to, to try it, basically. And that's it. I think that it's, it's probably good to hear that um, you are hearing through the grapevine that there are e-commerce businesses generating real world returns from it. I, I, to be honest, I really want to go in and pull it apart and go, hey, well, let's do like a significant test for a month or two and let's see if the money in, money out actually adds up or is it just hype? Yeah. Because, you, again, you see so much hype, right? It's actually, I, I want to go pull that lever for a business that I know sort of like really, really well. Like, the challenge is getting the creative. There's definitely ways sort of like around it. So there's a business we're about to start doing with it a bit more seriously, but it's taken yeah. a while to, to get the creative. Um, I do a little bit for the brands that I own, but it's really not the demographic because the demographics are quite a bit older. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And that's changing. Like it's definitely the same path as Facebook, right? That we saw, which is it starts young and then it starts to get, you know, the, the demographic starts to skew higher. But we definitely see, that's why I'm curious as well, where that um, it's seen at the moment as being a, a channel with, um, tremendous reach, cheap CPMs, cheap traffic, but I'd like to see that actually materialize into revenue, right? Uh, yeah, ex exactly. That's it. And it's uh, every time I've used it, it's it's. I know they're constantly improving, but it's pretty basic as well. It's sort of like the, the targeting. Certainly, when you're used to to all the targeting that you can do on on Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you bring up a good point. It's almost, it's almost like generations, right? Yeah. No e-com business owner pointed this out to me. He said, "Yeah, it's almost like Facebook is this certain age, Instagram's a certain age." Mm -hmm. And you think about it, that makes sense, right? Because you have all of your your friends and etc. on one, and everybody kind of groups around it. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 42 in like a week's time. I I completely miss the Snapchat thing. Yeah. The agency I worked out all the all the guys working there were all sort of like on it. I was like, I really need to call it. understand. It just made no sense to me. I'm yeah. just like. I need to understand this, but it's just that I don't, I don't. You'll be on TikTok any any minute now, I reckon, Ian. Oh, no, I mean, I've got it and I sort of like, I'll, I'll kind of like look through it, but certainly for the trials I've done for clients, nothing yet that I want to put my money yeah, behind. I reckon to go. That, makes, that makes sense. Um, what about mobile desktop? What are like issues there? What are we seeing? Trends? Uh, just the usual. It's just going bonkers on on mobile, basically. It's yeah. That, that, Continue, right it's yeah. um definitely always see the conversion rates higher on desktop rather than yeah. rather than mobile um that's fairly consistent uh, which makes sense right because when you're on a mobile you know we're more sat there on our sofa right watching netflix and on our mobile we're probably a lot more passive rather than if we're sat down at a computer working we're here to get we're here to get something done which presents a challenge because you're trying to get people to go from mobile to desktop i've never managed to do it successfully with any significantly sort of like good results yeah um but I'd, overall conversion rates are going up definitely yeah that's good that's good yeah. um what about reviews can we just talk about that that's yeah you've, you've touched on it it'd be good to go a bit deeper i actually feel i was really late to the party on reviews it's sort of um it, like it was one of those things that I always knew and you do a little bit of it but whereas for me now it's fundamental mm. um, particularly within e-commerce I'm a massive fan of Akendo I think they do an absolutely fantastic job they actually pull the reviews onto the page in proper HTML so it can be read by search engines and crawled by search engines which is which is awesome um, and 
I, I, honestly, I, could, I can do without them now because there's such good feedback on the actual product because these things come through so unbiased. You know if you've got a problem with a batch of products because mm. people will be telling you about it. Um, yeah, a, a, absolutely key. And maybe just unpack, so Akendo, where are they pulling reviews from? So they request them. So what happens is it uh, integrates with Shopify. Somebody purchases on Shopify and then you can set the review to go or the request for a review within X amount of days. So you allow for your delivery time because obviously you don't want to send that before the product gets to them. That will really annoy them. Uh, so you kind of build in a little bit of buffer because in Australia, we're a big old place. So it can take ages to get something over to WA or up to Northern Territory or what have you. So you go, right, let's say, five days after the order has been placed and we're confident we've got to them in two or three days, sends out a request going, what did you think of the product? You know, out of five stars, they can click that and then they can write a more detailed review. The beauty is you can actually integrate a Kendo with Clavio. So Clavio sends those emails, which mm. then gives you a huge amount of control of when those emails are sent and when you then request them. They then show up on the actual site. You can filter through them and you can answer questions. You can answer any questions that people have got or what have you. I tend to do reviews in two ways. So I'll have on-site reviews, so like a Kendo, so it appears on the product page yep. and you're building there, but then also pointing towards Google, but Google My Business. So you, what you can do is in Clavio, you can do like a, they do, it's like an A-B test, but it's just constantly going. So 50% of people get an email requesting an Akendo one and 50% get a request for doing the Google one. Yeah. Obviously you've got to keep a close eye on those and you've got to be with all of those businesses, right? That have, you know, get the really sort of like dodgy reviews. It is challenging though for anybody that's got a huge range of SKUs that changes pretty regularly because it's difficult to build them up. Whereas if you've got, you know, 10 or 20 products that you're selling throughout the year, you can- yeah, you're selling 20,000 SKUs, kind of, you know, product 15,000, well, good luck building that. Yeah, you just, yeah. you just tend to group them together, let's say within an individual brand or any anything that kind of makes sense where yeah. you can- group them that way really sort of like helps but yeah absolutely and it's one of the it's just snowballs mm. it starts really really slowly builds and builds and builds and builds i have no specific proof of this but i am fairly confident it is a massive generator it massively increases conversion rate if they're really yeah. sort of like honest. and uh, again you can then take what people are saying about your brand and actually go, hey, this is what we're about. Because people are saying, this is what they do. And you think about branding, branding, there's always a brand promise. Hmm. We are this, and then you deliver that. So, oh, yeah, that's good. Rather than like over sort of like stretching. Yeah. So, for example, I work with um, I work with a brand that is very price focused, but really good quality product. And we get it to people really, really quickly. So that's literally just what we use to, to advertise. And that's what comes back in all the reviews. Social, like, social proof, right? It's just, yeah. Yeah, 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 ex exactly. That's it. And so and then it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and you get more repeat customers. And yeah. da, da, da. Just Again, such, a, such a flywheel, isn't it? Oh, massively. Yeah, hugely. And, and the pro I think the challenge is, is that as marketers, we're expected to get results really, really quickly. But there is the profitable results that people want take a long time. Mm. 
So what I tend to do is I do the stuff that I know will get a result really, really quickly, like Facebook ads or shopping ads or what have you. Yeah. Once you've then built that confidence, you start to get it. You go, okay, cool. Let's do some email marketing. Let's focus on SEO because this is going to take a lot longer sort of like to fix. I'm not going to see those results sort of like for, for a longer time. And then you can trial these other things like Pinterest ads or TikTok because yeah. you've got a little bit more sort of like leeway. So yeah. if your boss is saying, hey, there's a certain budget or your client saying, hey, we need to get this within a certain time, it's it's a good process for yeah, no, and you do kind of i remember being at a um conference years ago and really senior google rep was there i think kind of heading up some, some um, something out of singapore kind of put a question out around uh, which business which econ business can afford to spend the most per click in, in in the google ads um interface and everyone was kind of throwing around all these different answers whatever else and the answer was the business that can extract maximum lifetime value out of that out of that click be the ability which is kind of the amazon model right where they the the, the 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 revenue that amazon generates out of a new customer compared to if you're you know mum and dad in the corner selling shoes it's just not a fair fight but i think in terms of how that works into marketing in an e-commerce instance is you've kind of got this positive flywheel right and it is about you you're um you're kind of those secondary channels whether it's pinterest or tiktok or whatever it might be is going to work a hell of a lot better for you if you've got a website that has been proven to convert better and your, your pricing is more competitive and um, you've got this ecosystem, you've got email marketing that you can start dropping into the mix and it all just creates an unfair advantage, doesn't it, over time? Exactly. And the, the trick is finding the right combination for your business. Now, I think everybody wants to go, oh, should we do this or should we do this? Again, it's back to pulling those levers. And what I've consistently seen is that it's what's the percentage of say google ads to seo to email to direct to even sort of like referral is different for each business it's finding that finding that optimum level that matches the business requirements when i mean business requirements is it just pure top line growth so they don't care about profit or is it more profit and being mm. cash flow what's the there's that trick and then that comes down to a percentage of ad spend i know you guys did the, a podcast on sort of like percentage of ad spend mm. as well I think that that is such a key metric of what somebody needs to work within is knowing what is profitable or what is going to get them the growth without putting them under of what that spend is. Which I think is a really good takeaway for listeners to the pod, which is it's if you're sitting in the marketing function of an e-commerce business or a business where e-commerce is a part of your, your responsibility, it kind of you can't just keep your, your mind in the marketing box. You have to be moving up to, it's a business discussion. It's it's broader than just marketing because yeah. stock and inventory and pricing and all those things have a major exactly. impact on what worst you can thing be doing. You could say, yeah, worst thing you could say to an e-commerce business owner is, oh, we just need more of these products. It's like, okay, that was a decision we were making two months ago. Mm. So where were, you, where were you then? That's nice that they're kind of like selling. It's mm. actually understanding the individual products what products generate them more profit? So a really key metric is gross margin. So gross margin is the money left over as a percentage after you've paid for the product and any other costs that go up or down the more you sell a product. For example, uh, let's say selling fees. So Afterpay will charge you pretty much 6%. The more you sell, the more that cost that goes into your cost. The freight from your manufacturers to your warehouse that can be a very significant cost as well. It's understanding that gross margin. So there's a really good basic formula for an e-commerce business that is 
let's say the revenue coming in, take off your GST because that's not our money, that's the government's money. 10% comes off that. 50% would be your gross margin. That's how much money is left over. So let's say you've made a $100 sale. By the time they've paid for all their product and stuff like that, you've got 50% less. Mm. You then, to run your business, probably around about 30% for operating expenses, rent, salary, yeah, all all these sort of like other bits and pieces, which would then, uh, and advertising, Hmm. right? And then that would leave you with 20% net profit. It's very hard to get those ratios, but it's a rough ball. If you're spending 30% of the revenue that has been made on advertising, that pretty much wipes out all of their profit. So no point in just constantly turning it up because you're going to kill it, right? Yeah. So they're not carry on as a coin. It's understanding what those numbers are for that business and then working with them to go, right, these are our budgets. This is what we're working towards. We'll get the most for this. If it's working, we'll turn it up. If it's not working, let's turn it down. Hmm. That's great. That's really, really good. Um, I wanted to dig into technology and software. I reckon if I can push the friendship, we should do another pod at some point in the next couple of months because i don't i don't want to push through it and not do it well but i think it is something i want to dig into because yeah, i think it is of interest to happy to. i could also do it in 30 seconds it's dead straight forward. well if that's the case it'd be a pretty poor podcast if it's a 30 second <laughs> pod. Give, me, <laughs> give it to me <laughs> give me um tech product stack well, what, what let, what's let me, good what's not what what should you be looking out for if you're um let me put it this way. Mm. This is why my e-commerce business, and this for me is the perfect setup, is Shopify, total no-brainer. Unless you've got a really, really good developer and you might go, I know Magento or Woo, but basically Shopify nailed it. Yeah. Done. Clavio uh, for email because it integrates beautifully with Shopify. It is It passes all the information back and forth. Reviews, Akendo. Yeah. Total no-brainer. Again, integration with those other two sort of like platforms works really, really well. Um what else would you need? The inventory management, tricky. I've never found a really, really good one. Yeah. Uh, it depends on your size. Um, keep, basically, keep things simple as possible. Yeah. What else What else would we cover tech-wise? Buying, buying media within Google, within Facebook. Oh, yeah. 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 So Google Ads, Meta. Um, use, yeah, Rocket, use Rocket for your SEO. Rocket for your SEO. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I think getting somebody who really knows what they're doing within within SEO is worth its absolute weight in gold. The automated reports that come out are kind of sort of like useful, but there's so many nuances. Yeah. And if somebody really good can just go, bang, that's the problem there. We need to fix that. Yeah. Don't don't go cheap on it. It's it, You'll regret it. Yeah, yeah. Mate, that's been excellent. You've delivered on, on the promise of the pod and more. Um, I always finish up with with um, with the final question. So, what's that one piece of marketing advice that you'd give to an Australian marketer about e-commerce? Keep it simple. Love don't that. don't go. Yeah, just don't overcomplicate this. And the things that we discuss fundamentally work the majority of the time. It, it's yeah. That's don't. good. That's good. Um, where can we find you? Where can listeners find you if they want to stay in, stay in contact? I am super active on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. Uh, I bought an e-commerce business. I basically share how to do it and all the insights, all the metrics uh, of what I'm sort of like working with, the good months, the bad months, the what I'm doing, what worked well, what what's not. Uh, I also share unprovoked e-commerce tips, which is basically me 
writing down the stuff that I'm working out or have worked out and just want to share with people, to share with the good people of Australia. Cause we're, yeah. And I can definitely vouch for that. We're connected on LinkedIn and I think it is, if you're interested in e-commerce, definitely follow Ian. He is posting, um, yeah, basically a what's and all journey, right? Of <laughs> what's happening to the business you're running. So, and I think the fact that it is, um, I guess, anonymous in terms of the business itself means that we are getting, you, you, it gives you an ability to share information that you otherwise wouldn't. Exactly. Uh, it's totally, awesome. um, that, that's the beauty about not telling people who it is and yeah. actually go this. <laughs> it could be anything. Um, Ian, yeah. thanks so much for your time. I've definitely learnt some stuff myself, which I always think is the hallmark of a, of a good pod. So thanks for coming on and, and hopefully we can get you on um, again. My pleasure. Look forward to it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.